I'm Jimmy Reed with Reed Farm in Palestine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. If you're in the business of raising and selling cattle, seeing cattle prices rise is a good thing. But escalating beef prices might be a concern. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The state's largest farm organization is working with lawmakers on a state and national level to resolve water issues with Mexico. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. Implementation of regenerative grazing or adaptive grazing on ranch operations in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a preview of a Southeast Texas meeting addressing this issue on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Texas' only sugar mill is closing down. Rio Grande Valley Sugar Growers announced the closing of the mill after 51 years of continuous operation. That leaves 110 sugarcane farmers in the valley with nowhere to process their crop, with the only option being to ship it over 500 miles to a mill in Louisiana. The closure will have a huge economic impact on the area. On my recent tour of the Rio Grande Valley, I toured that mill where Dale Kerstetter, Director of Environmental Health, Safety and Public Relations, told me about the economic impact the mill has. You figure between the farmers, the equipment that they have to buy, the trucks that we have to buy, everything that drives this, we're looking at about 8 to 12 million gallons of diesel fuel a year just to run all these tractors and everything. During season, we have 520 employees during the season, and the off-season, when it's repair season, is 200. The reason for the mill closure is simple, a lack of irrigation water. Sugarcane farmers have not had enough irrigation water to grow a full crop there for the past two years. A normal year would have 34,000 acres of cane in production. This year, it was only 17,000 because Mexico will not live up to its obligations to share water with the U.S. under the 1944 Water Sharing Treaty. All farmers in the Rio Grande Valley are facing this same fate with no water to grow crops of any type this year. Texas started off the new year with fewer goats than a year ago. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the Texas goat inventory January 1st was 786,000 head. That's down 3%. Meat and other goats accounted for 89% of the goat inventory at 700,000 head. The number of Angora goats in Texas increased 2% this year to 60,000. The milk goat inventory was up 13% to 26,000 head. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson has introduced a resolution of disapproval under the Congressional Review Act to oppose the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service's importation of fresh beef from Paraguay final rule. On November 14th of last year, USDA made the decision to begin allowing the import of fresh Paraguayan beef using risk assessment data from site visits to the country from over 10 years ago. Jackson says these outdated risk assessments put America's beef, pork, and sheep industries at risk of foreign animal diseases such as foot and mouth disease, which Paraguay has a long history of in their beef herds. Rising cattle prices are good for a lot of cattle producers, but James Hunt tells us the rise in beef prices for consumers can be a concern. With prices on the rise again in recent weeks, what was already a pretty strong cattle market is only getting stronger. But while that's good news for producers, I've heard a number of them express a common concern, and that is that farther down the production chain, beef prices could get so high, consumption will be hurt. Now, when it comes to who actually sets beef prices, packers and retailers have a lot more to do with that than those who raise cattle do. But I asked Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, what can producers do to help address this inflation concern? Here's Miller's thoughts. I think at the end of the day, if you look at an individual producer and say, okay, what can I do? What I would tell you that you could do is continue to provide a good quality product. And we are providing that product today. The consumer will continue to buy the product. If it's a product that they like and they want, they'll continue to buy it. And so I think we just got to continue to make sure our genetics are good make sure that we don't do anything to uh, cause the consumer not to come and eat our product. And as long as we produce that good quality product, I think the consumer will show up. Some advice from Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Now, switching gears here, a couple of the things that Miller mentioned, genetics and beef quality, are among the topics that will be covered at the upcoming Hemp Hill County Beef Conference. That annual AgriLife event is scheduled for April 23rd and 24th in Canadian. The conference is also an opportunity to get an expert forecast on where cattle markets are headed next. For the full agenda and to buy tickets, you can go online and search with the words Hemp Hill Beef Conference 2024. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The state's largest farm organization is working with lawmakers on a state and national level to resolve water issues with Mexico. Jessica Domel has the story. Farmers in the Rio Grande Valley are once again faced with the possibility of another growing season without irrigation water. That is because Mexico has failed to deliver the water due to the United States under a 1944 water treaty. The treaty governs the allocation of water from the Colorado, Tijuana, and Rio Grande rivers. Mexico is required to provide the U.S. with an average of 350,000 acre-feet of water per year over a five-year cycle. But Mexico has repeatedly delayed fulfilling the agreement until the end of the five years. Laramie Adams, Associate Director of Government Affairs for the Texas Farm Bureau, said working toward solutions to force Mexico to abide by the treaty and ensure the annual delivery of water to the United States is one of TFB's priority issues this legislative session. Valley agriculture as we know it is in the crosshairs here. Essentially, if something isn't done and they don't get the water that they need, it's going to be gone. And we've got a lot of different crops down there. Sugarcane and citrus and a lot of other crops, leafy greens. But there's not enough water. And the fact is, is that that treaty specifically states that Mexico owes 
an annual allotment of water to Texas. They have failed to abide by that treaty for many, many years, and nothing's been done about it. Frankly, our leaders in the United States have got to get tough on this issue and stand up to Mexico and demand that we get the water that we need down in the lower Rio Grande Valley. They're in a dire situation. We owe it to our farmers and ranchers to stand up and say, this is enough. This treaty explicitly states that you owe us water every single year, not just at the five-year mark, every single year, and abide by that treaty. So we're going to continue talking to our state and federal leaders about this issue. But frankly, it's well past time to get this resolved. It's a difficult issue, but at the same time, we face difficult issues all the time and we need to work on this. That was Laramie Adams from Texas Farm Bureau. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Grazing will be a topic of discussion of an upcoming regenerative ranching workshop in southeast Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more information on the meeting. My guest is Josh Gascamp. He is Regenerative Ranching Manager in Noble Research Institute's Producer Guidance Program. Joining us from Ardmore, Oklahoma, he educates, supports, and guides U.S. farmers and ranchers in regenerative ranch management. And Josh, the upcoming meeting March 8th through the 10th in Waller is going to be at the Fairfield Inn and Suites by Marriott. Uh, What's the primary purpose of this meeting? So our uh, Noble Grazing Essentials Program is really designed to help producers begin to implement regenerative grazing or adaptive grazing on their operations. We spend three days. It's a mix of uh, classroom activities with other producers. We do activities indoors, but we also spend quite a bit of time outside actually with herd of livestock moving those individual herds in an adaptive grazing scheme. And so about half the time outside observing the impacts of regenerative grazing. We work with stock densities. In fact, we spend uh, one day looking at what a million pounds of stock density per acre, what the impacts that we can see from the soil standpoint, from the livestock standpoint on that type of grazing event. And so this is an opportunity to get to know other producers, experience what other producers are doing that have worked for them, uh, what they failed at, and as well as what the instructors at Noble Research Institute have succeeded and failed at. So this is an opportunity to really network with other producers, see what adaptive grazing is all about, and see how we can turn your operation into, an, into a more profitable ranch. That is Josh Gaskamp with Noble Research Institute. The deadline to register for the Grazing Essentials program in Waller is March 1st at www.noble.org. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The state's largest farm organization is working with lawmakers on a state and national level to resolve water issues with Mexico. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine asthma is a common problem in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com.
we're bringing you the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is a good time to plant trees in Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has more. Well, we call trees wonderful in Texas because they're really needed in the summertime. Uh, the closer you are to hot conditions like July and August, the more you appreciate them. We get asked a lot of questions about planting, and we always think of October, November being some of the best time to plant trees. But February and March is perhaps the second best, and the reason being they're available. Nurseries will load up because they've been empty most of the winter, and they'll have fresh trees that are ready to go in the ground. It could be bare root fruit trees, it could be containerized live oaks, whatever. So if you miss that opportunity in, in September, October, then now is a great time. And another reason is they get established. Their roots become attached to that soil before it gets exceptionally hot. And when we think about how hot it does get in Texas, we think about how hot those trees that were grown in a nursery, stacked close together, how they will really suffer. So we want to kind of get them a good three, four, five, six months start before it gets unbearably hot. So choose varieties of trees that work in your location. If you're over in East Texas, you can have the opportunity to use trees that love more acid type soils like chestnut oaks, things like that. When you start going west, you'll want something that can tolerate your calcareous or calcium soils, and you might go into some of the different Texas red oaks and chinkapin oaks and so forth. So your local extension office probably has a list of recommended trees, or you can just drive around some of your small towns or neighborhoods in your community and see what kind of trees are performing good. And that's the way to do it and start. So you'd like to get those in just as soon as they become available and plant them in your native soil. Now we're wrapping up pruning of existing trees. Some places down in South Texas have already stopped pruning live oaks because of oak wilt spread. Most of us are going to go ahead and continue pruning until it just gets really warm. And we consider the end of February for most of North Texas, Central Texas, to be kind of a cutoff date on pruning live oaks. All other trees, you can prune theoretically 365 days a year, but you'd like to prune these things before they start their new growth in the spring. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. Equine asthma is a common problem in horses. But Dr. Bob Judd says it's a difficult condition to treat. There are several products that have been recommended for treating asthma in horses. And asthma can be broken down into two types. Mild disease is called inflammatory airway disease. And more severe disease is called chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Although both are considered types of asthma. There have been multiple treatments over the years, but the most successful have involved some form of cortisone, either inhaled or systemic medication. The concern with cortisone as it can be immunosuppressive or decrease immunity with long-term use that is usually required when treating asthma. The most effective treatment is dexamethasone administered as an injection or orally. However, dexamethasone does reduce immunity and lead to laminitis in some horses, so it is long-term use is not recommended. A new medication called cyclosanide has been approved for the treatment of asthma, and it is on the market as the Azervo Equihaler as it is hailed by the horse in the nostril with a special device. Cyclesonide is also a form of cortisone, so there is a concern that it could have some unwanted side effects as dexamethasone, and a study was performed to determine the effect of immunity of cyclosonide compared to dexamethasone. The study was performed at the University of Kentucky on 18 horses with a control group, a group treated with dexamethasone, and a group treated with cyclesonide, both for 10 days. 
Horses treated with dexamethasone showed significant decrease in immunity, while horses treated with cyclosanide did not show decreases in immunity. This study shows cyclosanide to be a safer option for treatment of asthma than dexamethasone. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Here's the latest market information on Texas Ag Today. Let's take a look back at how the markets wrapped up on Monday to kick off the trading week. Cattle futures went in different directions. Live cattle finishing higher, feeder cattle finishing lower. We did see a cattle on feed report out on Friday. It showed placements coming in 7% lower than a year ago. However, that still wasn't as low as the average pre-report guess of a 12% drop. We wrapped up the futures trading on Monday with February live cattle up 12 cents, 185.72. The April up 20, 188.10. June live cattle up 22 cents, 184.10. Feeders were lower, March dropping a dollar 52, 253.05. April feeder cattle down a dollar seven, 258.90. With May down 50 cents, 261.57. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet on Monday. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef prices higher Monday. Choice up a dollar forty-five, three hundred two hundred six. Select up a dollar eighty-one at two eighty-eight twelve. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Russell Heller and his family own and operate Lexington Livestock Commission Company there in Lexington, Texas, and they sell every Saturday. Russell's on the line with me right now. Russell, how'd that last Saturday turn out? Yes, sir. Had a good sale, 933 total head with 120 cows. Walk the pins with me, Russell. All right. The interpacker cows, 60 to 85, and the better cows, 86 to 122. On the steering bull kids, 3 to 400 pounds, $2 to 390. 4 to 5 weights, 195 to 360. 5 to 6 weights, 190 to 330, 6 to 7 weights, 185 to 288, 7 to 8 weights, 180 to 265. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pounds, 190 to 360, 4 to 5 weights, 185 to 320, 5 to 6 weights, 180 to 280, 6 to 7 weights, 175 to 240, 7 to 8 weights, 170 to 230. Good, good. Sounds like a good sale. How many noses did you count? 933. How many buyers did you have? Did you? I know you count them. Do you have it on hand? I don't have it on hand with me, but there were, I mean, the house was full and people were wanting some cows also. Good deal. It looks like they're wanting anything they can get their hands on as long as she's got some life left in them. Yes, sir. And most everything is selling good, whether it's coming off grass heavy, it's making the dollar, whether it's uh, coming off cow, milk fat, it's making a dollar too, isn't it? Yes, sir, they are. You're starting to see a few more of those new crop little fat calves starting to come this week and last week, so I guess a few people are starting to pull some of those. They're not discounting them like they have in the past that much, are they? Uh, a little bit. I mean, you can kind of tell, but further we go, the more they are. 
are. So Yeah, yeah. When people realize uh, where we're at on numbers. Well, tell everybody yeah. how to get a hold of you, Russell Heller. Sure, you can get me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Do some business with Russell Heller next Saturday. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you, too. We appreciate you listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble, and I hope to see you tomorrow. We're here every day, Monday through Friday. See you then. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finishing lower. April hogs dropped 92 cents, 86.27. The May down 10, 90.75. Class 3 milk was mixed with the February dropping 2 cents, 16.12 100 weight, while March milk was up 25 at 17.56 100. More strength in the cotton market to start the week on Monday. A lower U.S. dollar and the recovery in the grain markets helped to push the cotton market higher. So far, no deliveries have been placed against the spot March contract. Open interest currently stands at 363 contracts. The delivery period runs through March 6th. May cotton finishing 131 points higher, 94.80. July cotton up 106, 93.68. With new crop December up 62 points, 84.01. Corn bounced back from Friday's losses. The nearby March contract dropped below $4 for the first time since 2020 on Friday. It bounced back above 4 bucks on Monday. March was up 7.25, 4.07 a bushel. May corn up 8, 4.21.5. September corn up 8. At 4.43 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat posted gains on Monday. March Kansas City wheat up 15, 5.83 and three quarters. New crop July up eight and a half, 5.66 and a half. Soft wheat in Chicago, March up three and three quarters, 5.77 and a quarter. July up seven at 5.77 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas was up a penny, $1.61. April West Texas crude oil up $1.21 at $77.70 a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed on Monday afternoon. The Dow down 22 points, 39,109. The NASDAQ up four at 16,001. The S&P down 11, 5,077. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.